welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Hey guys. I don't think I can express to you how glad I am to be here today. I am so glad to be here today. This is going to be one of, like, if you're not an emotional person, like, this is going to be one of those, just so you know. My name is Pastor Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill Chapel. If you're our guest today, we are so glad you're here, but I think I'm probably more glad to be here than you are. So uh, I just want to, uh, I just want to really emphasize that, that, um, Uh, Some of you don't know, about five weeks ago, we had a message uh, that I was preaching that ended rather dramatically, and uh, our goal is to not do that again. Um, I've basically taken the past several weeks off, and we do have a ring here on this mic, Steve. I don't know if you hear that, but um, I've taken the past few weeks off and kind of stepped back and taken a season of rest really at the direction of the leadership of the church, which I am thankful to you. And you just need to know that the leadership we have here is, is just astounding. Uh, I come back not because I'm needed, because so many people have stepped up and they've led in tremendous ways in my absence, but because I really want to be here. I've never realized how much I want to be here uh, as, as I have these past several weeks. And you know, they... They say uh, one of the things you discover about a group of people or you discover about a church or an organization is is not how it responds when things are going well, but in the moments where they're not. And the thing that is just so incredible is how this church pulled together, um, how they in so many ways have led our tremendous staff, our our, our board, uh, all of the volunteers, all of you. Uh, It's just absolutely astounding to me. so about five weeks ago, I started a message. I left in the middle of it and decided to go to the ER instead. That was a good time. Um, and just the way that people stepped up in the aftermath of that. You know, my eight-year-old son, Christopher, who is around here somewhere, uh, you know, was, as any kid would be, was, was incredibly impacted by everything that happened. And some of you bought him lunch, and some of you took him to the playground and took care of him and told him that everything would be okay, and and you didn't just do it because he's my kid, you would do that for any kid here. And I just want to tell you folks that you're part of something that's incredibly special, and incredibly powerful, and and incredibly important, and you're in a great place. You are in an amazing place, and it's not because of us, but it's because of what God is doing here at Long Hill Chapel. It, It just astounds me as I came in and got to sing with you again this morning, I just like I'm going to probably do for the next 40 minutes or so, um, just was overwhelmed because this is where I want to be. And, you know, there's some medical stuff we're figuring out. Uh, There's a lot of what I experienced that was definitely triggered by stress. It has been quite the year in our family with just some, you know, moving my dad back from California and some of the other things. It's added a whole other dimension uh, to all of that. But one of the things that I am just so convinced about is I want to be here as long as possible with you, with my family, with your families as we journey through life together here at at Long Hill Chapel. And I'm committed to do whatever it takes to do that. I'm committed to do that 
because I don't want to miss what God is doing here and what he's doing uh, in our midst. You know, one of the things that uh, we had the opportunity to do uh, in the ensuing weeks that I was not here was visit some other churches, and there's so many amazing churches around here that God is working in in amazing ways, but the thing I was just reminded of over and over again as I go in another place is how much I miss being here and how much I want to be here. You know, how much it just reminded me of the blessing that Long Hill is uh, to us and to my family and that I just get to be part of this. And so uh, I could ramble on endlessly about this forever and ever, but just say, I just want to say thank you. And thank you for being on this journey with us, even when the journey takes some turns that are maybe not the ones we expected or the ones that we, we wish would happen, because what God is doing here is worth it. It's powerful, and you're part of it, and this church is becoming who you are and who we are together, and we've just seen the beginning. And we're going to look back, and we're going to see the faithfulness of God, just like I have in my family, in my own life, in my own health, and we're going to see it over and over again in, in so many ways, big and small, and I don't want to miss it, and I don't think you do either. So a few weeks ago, I started a message that had an unintended ending. I was wondering if I could finish that. Yes. Could I finish that message? <laughs> Hopefully with a very different ending, by the way. <laughs> so um, we had been in a series, and I'm, this is going to become profoundly personal because this has a very different ending than the one that I wrote several weeks ago back in March. And it was in a series uh, called Called by Name. You know, and the reason that this is just such an incredibly big deal is because Jesus calls each of us by name, too. You know, he calls me and he calls you, and I think the thing I've been learning is that he calls us in ways that we would not have really expected or anticipated. You know, we were looking, and we'll look again today, at a, a short story in the Gospels that was written uh, by a man named Luke, and it involves three characters uh, who we see a few different times, uh, two women who are named Martha and Mary, and then Jesus. And so Martha and Mary are these, uh, these two characters who kind of are like the recurring, uh, I don't know if you watch a sitcom or something like that, and there's a couple characters, they're not in every episode, but they keep showing up. It was that kind of relationship. And so these are not just some people that Jesus ministered to. These are some close friends. And their home was at a place called Bethany, and it was a place that Jesus really enjoyed hanging out. I don't know if you have a friend who you can go over, you can get in their refrigerator without asking. Do, do you guys have a friend like that? Uh, or maybe you have one of those people, and they come to your house. They're like, oh, man, he's in our refrigerator again. And, and that's, that's how this relationship was. It was just this very comfortable relationship, and it's a place that Jesus liked to go. And so the story uh, that we pick up is in the Gospel of Luke, one of the accounts of the life and the work of Jesus, chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. And it's one of those stories where Jesus shows up, I think, somewhat unexpectedly. And it goes like this, beginning at verse 38 of chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So I don't know if you've had anyone relatively important show up at your house on short notice, or maybe, you know, you work somewhere, and there's like the big regional boss, and you find out the morning of that he's going to show up, and he's going to kind of go through. We all have a version of this in our lives where the stakes are high where there's not enough time to prepare, where we can't get things as ready and as put together as we would like for them to be. And that's really what's going on here because there's so much meaning that's layered underneath this. It's not just like a random guy showing up. It's Jesus who is seen by many people as a rabbi or as a, as a teacher uh, showing up at the house that is run by, in this culture, a couple of women. And at that point, this would have been an incredibly just high-stakes kind of event because you just didn't do that in that culture. And it shows us again and again how high a view of people, but especially of women, that Jesus had over and over again. And so you've been in this kind of event yourself, something where the stakes are high, where there's a lot of things that can go wrong and there's a lot that needs to be done. And this story has been taught in a way that some of us have heard before. A few of you have heard the story before. And there's these two characters, Martha and Mary. They're sisters. And Martha is running around, and she's getting all the stuff ready. And she's stressing out, and I can relate to that. You know? And Mary, her sister, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's just like, and I don't know if you're a type A. I'm a type A person. Have you figured that out yet? I'm a type A person. I'm busy figuring that out in new ways every single day these past five weeks. Where you're just like, come on, you need to get up and do something. I'm doing everything here. That's great that you love to sit at the feet of Jesus, but somebody's got to get the stuff done. We can relate to that. And the way that many of us have heard the story taught before is, you know, don't be like Martha. Don't be rushing around. Just go sit at the feet of Jesus. How many of you have a hard time sitting for any length of time? Some of y'all are sitters. You know, you like, you'll do it. Okay, that's great. God bless you. I wish I was more like that. I do not sit well at all. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to learn coming back to this church, as some of you know that if you come early, I, I tend to be just running around doing 80,000 different things. I'm trying to sit. It is the hardest thing I've ever done because I can relate to Martha, and some of you can too, where it's like somebody has to get this stuff done. And as a result, I don't really like this story very much because it seems like Jesus is calling out the people who are going to get the stuff done, and somebody needs to do that because I can relate to Martha, and you probably can too. We live in a get-stuff-done kind of culture. Some people would use a stronger phrase than that. But we live in a culture where we have to get stuff done. It's a fast-paced, high-stakes kind of culture. And for those of you who are doers, which includes me, what's the emotion you feel most when there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done and it doesn't seem like anybody but you is getting it done? Anxiety worry. So it turns out, stress. And so Jesus steps in to that moment. And I don't think what he's saying is 
you know, just stop doing things because God has wired you, the doers in the room, he has wired you. The world would not move forward in many ways except for you. And so I want you to be set free from this idea that that's a bad thing. But I also want you to understand that it has the potential to rule your life. And I say this is where this becomes very personal for me because all of the things that I want to do are good things. Many of the things I want to do are even good things in the name of Jesus. They're important things. They matter. The stakes are high. But there's this line that we cross. There's this line that I cross. There's this line that in this last season of my life, I have been crossing over and over again. Where I, it's the line separating a healthy sense of responsibility and doing from becoming God. So there's this line, it's like, yes, someone needs to do stuff. And then there's this line where we begin to say, if I don't, the world will fall apart. Whatever that is, the actual world, maybe your family, something like that. If I don't do this, it all depends on me. And so it's easy for us to assume the role of God. It's easy for us to say, I have to, because it will all fall apart. And what happens then is our focus gets off of God as we become God. You know, if you've been a Christian or a person of faith for any length of time, you know, you've heard about, you know, we, we will be opposed, we will face opposition, spiritual, whatever, whatever blank you want to fill in. You know, that, that happens. But that's actually, believe it or not, that's the easy thing to figure out because you can see it. The thing I think that's much more insidious for me, for us, is distraction. It's when our focus just gets shifted and we take the weight of that on us. You know, I wrote this phrase five weeks ago, sometime in life we face opposition, but more often the thing that undoes us is distraction. Boy, has that become personal these past several weeks. What that means is when we're drawn away from who our source is supposed to be. We're drawn away from where our eyes are to be fixed. You know, one of the other writers in the New Testament, he said this, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. There's this old hymn that we still occasionally sing. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the things that would distract us, the things that would pull us into trying to control and overcome and achieve and power through and outdo and outperform and just go a little longer and burn a little deeper, those things will become strangely dim in the light of his wonderful face. And friends, in Chatham, New Jersey, where we are famous for this, that's, I believe, the message that God is speaking to us. I'll tell you, it's the one that he's speaking to me. You know, when we come into these places in our life where we feel like we're the only one, you know, we're the only one who's doing it, we have a response very often that's very similar to the one that, that Martha has, and she actually says it to Jesus. There's a series of phrases in, in chapter 10 of uh, Luke's gospel that we see. The first thing that she says to Jesus is, Lord, don't you care 
Lord, don't you care? You've had someone come up to you and said, just chill out a little bit. Just relax, enjoy life. Just take the day off. And there's some version of fill in the blank, don't you care? And what happens here is this idea that nobody else cares but us, and in fact, all the other people around us have a different set of motives that is not a good motive. Lord, don't you care that my sister, not Mary, my sister. Have you ever been the person who's like, you're doing all the things, and there's, those, there's other people, and you're not referring to them by name. You're like, those people over there need to get it together. They need to get up. They need to help. They need to do this. That my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. All the work by myself. I have a counselor friend. He calls this awfulizing. It's when you look around and you're like, ain't it awful what I have to do? Ain't it awful? Get out the smallest violin and play a sad song because it's so awful all the things I have to do. Tell her to help me. And so what happens, I, I, want you, I want you to get this. This is something, again, that has become very personal for me. And this isn't something I really intended to talk very much about. When you're an achiever in one area of your life, it becomes very easy for you to become a victim in other areas of your life. So when you're the one who gets stuff done over here, when you get overwhelmed, when it seems like nobody else is doing it with you, it's very easy for that thing that is actually so good, taking responsibility, to be lost on the other side of the coin where you say, I can't, I'm helpless, there's nothing I can do, don't you care? Those people aren't doing anything. I have to do this all myself. Somebody else should tell those people to do something about this. And so there's this dynamic that, whether we want to admit it or not, sounds awfully familiar to some of us. But I love the way Jesus answers. He calls Martha by name. You know, she has done anything but call anyone or anything by name, but Jesus calls her by name, and he does it twice. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so in the midst of this, nobody else is doing the things. There's so many things. Those people over there aren't helping. Someone needs to do something about this. Jesus speaks, and he calls to Martha. I think he calls to you. And I'll tell you what, he calls to me. Jesus calls us by name at the point of our greatest worry. There's something in your life that is occupying your thoughts. And, you know, there's some of you who, you know what worry is, you know what being anxious is, and there's some of you who are like, I'm not anxious, I don't worry, life is good. Let me give you another framework. You might not call it worry, but what's the thing in your life that you don't think anyone else can handle? What's the thing in your life, in your relationships, in your world, at your job, in your career, that you don't think anyone else 
is paying attention to? What's the thing in your life that you look around and you're like, nobody else but me is doing anything about this? So Jesus calls us by name at the point of our greatest worry. But that thing is the thing that we don't think anyone else can handle, that nobody else is paying attention to, and that nothing else is being done about. And so what's this one thing? Jesus says one thing really matters. And I don't think it's sitting around and not doing. I think it's actually what is your source? What is your focus? Who is actually God when it comes to your life? You know, and when we're pulled in all these directions, that fragments and it fragments so easily. And Jesus is saying to you, to Martha, but in profound ways to me, where's your anchor? Are you your own anchor? Are you the one who's holding it all together for yourself or have you anchored yourself in Jesus? And five weeks ago, this was the point I got to, and things got really crazy after this. So, so far, we're still here. We're still, we're doing, we're doing fine. So we're already in a better spot. But as I reflected, as, you know, I, I took some time, and I was out in California for a few days, closing out my dad's stuff, selling his house, and, you know, moving some stuff around. And, and there was just, I talked to a couple of my friends here, and I was like, you know, what should I do about that message that I didn't finish? And they're like, yeah, you, you need to finish that. And so here we are. But the thing I felt very, very keenly about, and I even sort of felt it then, was whatever I had written after that point, I just needed to highlight and delete. And so that's what I did. And so what follows here is everything since. People are like, what have you learned in the past five weeks? You know what, I, I will tell you when I've learned it. I'm still learning. There's a lot of learning. There probably will be for a long time going on. It's, it's a journey uh, day by day. You know, because Jesus is calling me at my point of greatest worry, too. He's calling me at the point of the places that I don't think anyone else can handle, but I can, that nobody else is paying attention to, but I am, that nothing else is being done about, but I'm going to show up and do it. And here's the thing I think I would have said, you know, when we talk about Jesus calling us, you know, we have the called by name bumper with the little cell phone thing, and it's, it's a great bumper. It's like, we like that. We like the idea, there's an old ham softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, you know, it's just this still small voice. I'm here to tell you that sometimes Jesus calls you in a very public and very abrupt way, and the reason he does that is not because he's trying to humiliate us or embarrass us, but literally it's the only way that our attention will be captured. Sometimes the way Jesus has to call to us is strong because we won't, we just won't, we'll like press, you know, when someone calls, you're like, I don't want to talk to that person right now. And you press the button and it, it just goes silent. That's what we do with Jesus. Let me be more personal about this. That's what I have done with Jesus. I've said, you know what? I can do this. I've got more energy than most people. I can outpower 
I can outwork, I can outperform, I can run around and do all the things just like Martha. And the only way that Jesus would get my attention is in a way, in a place with people that I love so dearly, doing something that I love so much, that it's unavoidable and that there's no way I could go back to that other way again. And that's what this has all been about. Because in the aftermath, five weeks ago, I felt myself brought up so short by Jesus, but in a way that was strong and absolutely full of grace. You know, as I looked at the people who kind of ushered me off the stage to that door out to that room there, I never knew we had so many, you know, emergency responders and medical professionals in this church. It's, you know, if you've got issues, this is the place to be. It really is. And thank you so much. I mean, there's so many people by name who just stepped up in an incredible way. But I just remember in that being overcome by the love of, these, of you guys and the love of God. Because suddenly I couldn't do anything for you. Suddenly I couldn't give you something hopefully of value or of importance. I had nothing. I was helpless. I wasn't literally flat on my back, but I might as well have been. And yet Jesus, through you, spoke to me in a way that I will not get over anytime soon. I just am not going to get over it. I choose to not get over this because it's teaching me and it's continuing to teach me that my value is not in my ability to preach or my ability to lead or my ability to run around and fix things or my ability to do any number of other things. And you know what? Yours isn't either. There's a lie that some of us have received, and I have received in a big way, in more ways than I can count, that our value is in our ability to get stuff done, that our value is only measured by our performance. And maybe you've been in a job where, you know, that's true, because, yeah, you do have to do things in jobs to get paid and also keep them. But your intrinsic value is not determined by what you can do or what you can't do, and sometimes some of us, like me, have to learn that in the moments that we're flat on our back and the only thing we have is the grace of God and the love of his people, just like you guys have been for me and for our family in these past weeks. And that's the only time we'll get it. Because otherwise, we just keep pressing mute, delete, you know, call back later. When Jesus is calling and saying, no, you know this thing that you think is so important, you know the job that you think is so important because you've got to get the bigger house or you've got to get the promotion or you've got to work your way up the ladder or you've got to prove yourself or even when we get into the church and we come in here and say, my value is in how much I can do for God because God wants to use me. You know, let me tell you something, folks. God does use us. He works through us, but that's not the reason God has relationship with you. It's not because of what he can get out of you. It's because he loves you so much that as we just celebrated, he gave his only son so that we could get off the train of our value being determined by our output and receive the love of God.
And that's the lesson I'm trying to learn right now. You know, my wife Grace and I, we have two SUVs. They're both white. They're easily confused. But, and both of them are full of kid stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> but there's a technology in both of them uh, that we never have realized how much it matters and how much it changes things. It's collision avoidance. I don't know if you have cars that have that. It's when the robots save you from yourself. That's really what it is. And so, you know, you'll, you'll get a text message. You'll be of course, I would never do this. I would never look at my phone. I do it all the time, and I shouldn't. And then someone up in front of you stops suddenly. What happens in those moments? In my car, something beeps, you know, and there's this warning light, and then in her car, like, the seat vibrates. You're like, oh, what just happened? <laughs> but what will happen next is the car will apply the brakes for you. It'll actually stop you, and it, that has saved us more times than we would care to admit. And let me tell you something, folks, it's not subtle. Like if there's stuff on the passenger seat, it will end up on the floor in those moments. And sometimes when Jesus is speaking to us, it's the same way. It starts with the beep, and then it gets a little stronger, and then you're brought up short because he doesn't want you to miss what he's trying to say, and he's protecting you from yourself. And he's doing that for us, and I think, unfortunately, it's easy for us to pick this stuff up off the floor, put it back on the seat, and just pretend like nothing has changed and to go again. And friends, I've done that for many, many years. Honestly, I've done that for many, many years. I can't do that anymore. If for no other reason, then I owe it to you to not do that anymore. But I'd like to speak to some of you today. This isn't in there, by the way. That maybe Jesus is trying to get your attention. You know, and you've dropped the call, muted the call, turned your phone off, done whatever it is. You said, oh, I've got another time. I can do this again. I can keep pushing a little farther. I can keep going a little more. My encouragement to you would be to actually listen before the stakes get any higher than they are because the stakes are incredibly high. They're high for you in ways that you might not even realize with your family, with your kids. You know, your kids are coming to you and saying, hey, can you spend more time with us? And you're like, no, nope, I've got to work, got to work. You know what, there will always be a job out there somewhere asking you to do things. Your kids will not always be there with you. And I humbly but strongly, and hear me clearly, please make the right decision because you get one set of them and you get one chance with them. Some of you, like me, have maybe been doing it with your health. You've been like, I can eat stress for breakfast. You know what I've learned about myself in the past month? I don't feel stress up here. But my body feels it regardless. And so you cannot cheat the fact that you're human. You just can't. I started wearing like a blood pressure cuff. Ooh, is that a trip? <laughs> Seeing all the things that make that go up. 
And I don't feel it here, but I feel it here. And some of us have kind of said, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. That applies to other people. That applies to weaker people, but I'm strong. Guess what? You're still human, you're limited, and you are not God. And the body keeps the score. And so before you get to that point where someone has to carry you out of a place, listen to how Jesus is trying to call to you. Because the stakes are high. Let me make this even more pointed if it hasn't been already. Jesus might be calling to you in a way that you've been seen as an obstacle that you have to get over or around or through. Because that's what we do in our world. We overcome. We dig a hole under. We go around. We go over. Guess what? There's some obstacles that were not designed to be defeated. Maybe the thing that you see as an obstacle is something that you have to defeat or you overcome is actually Jesus. And he's calling to you. In the aftermath of what happened, you know, I went to the ER and they ran a bunch of tests and there was nothing, thankfully, like all the big scary things were not definitive. So I went home and I sat on my patio in the back of my house, built a fire because that's kind of what I do. And there was one phrase that I just could not get out of my mind. And it's a phrase we actually find in the Old Testament. It's a completely different story uh, with a, a character named Samuel and his mother Hannah and a, a priest named Eli. That's not important for now. But it's the simple phrase, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know, I wanted some better, like, word or revelation from God than that. You know, I wanted the thing that showed why it all made sense, how the plan worked itself out, but instead all I got is speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so in all the upside-downness of the way I've been living, being kind of just, just turned on its head, all I had, and all I have, frankly, is speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's where I want to stay. You know, and maybe you're up against that obstacle, and that obstacle is actually Jesus. Instead of trying to beat Jesus, maybe it's time for you to say, speak, Lord, for your servant. Those words are intentional because you're not God. Is listening. Maybe the thing that has just seemed like a speed bump on your path to wherever you're going is actually an alarm that is trying to tell you to listen like that beeping on my dash before I run into the car in front of me. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know, I don't have three easy steps for you at the end of this, but I have one direction to hopefully give a little bit of clarity. But I would encourage you to hang out in the same place that I am right now. Speak, Lord. What are you trying to teach me that I don't want to see? There's some things we don't want to learn because we don't want to see them first. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But if you need something more tangible than that, let me take you back to what we talked about a little bit ago. Where in your life do you have something that you think no one else can handle? 
that no one else is paying attention to, that nothing else is being done about. No one else can handle, but you can. No one else is paying attention to, but you are. Nothing else is being done about, but you're the one who's going to get it done. I can nearly promise you that that's the place where Jesus is calling you today. And like Martha, he's not saying, you know, stop doing, but he's saying, get your focus back on me. Because a lot of us who are doers, we get tremendous value out of our ability to perform. It gives us such a tremendous sense of self-worth and accomplishment, and I would dare say control. And so when we pull it out, regardless of what the cost is in our relationships, regardless of what the cost is in our physical bodies, what, regardless of the price that we're paying that we don't think that we're paying, but we're actually paying, that's the place that Jesus is calling to you. I'll tell you this, because he loves you, the calls will get stronger. They'll get more definitive. Hopefully they won't end with you being carried out of the building. But Jesus does that not to condemn you, but because he loves you. And your value is not in your ability to perform for him or for anyone else. Your value is in the fact that you are his beloved child, and he loves you. And Jesus is calling to you, and he's calling to me. So as we close today, see, we made it. As we close today, I have a prayer for you. I actually wrote it down because the words are important and they're specific. So would you bow your heads with me? And I'm not praying this at you, and I'm not asking you to pray this on your own. This is something that we are praying together. Let's pray specifically these words. God, fill in the blank, is pulling on my mind and my heart. God, the thing that I don't think anyone else can handle, that nobody else is paying attention to, that nothing else is being done about, that's pulling on my mind and my heart right now, even as I try to sit or remain undistracted in these moments. But I trust that you are enough for the thing that I think no one else can handle, that no one else is paying attention to and that nothing else is being done about, and that you're already there. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I lay it down again and again and again. And I receive your peace. As I anchor my life to being present with you and fully present in this moment, I receive the promise that you'll make my life even more fruitful in the places that really matter. Because the stakes are incredibly high. So speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. 
Until then, have a great week and God bless.